Well, God is good. Is anybody glad you came to church tonight? Yeah. Amen. I'm, I'm glad you came to church tonight. I believe the Lord uh, has intentional things that He wants to do in our hearts and in our lives when we gather together. And uh, when we have service, uh, it's not just getting it, you know, knocking that out for the week, you know, just getting that task done. Uh, no, there's a divine purpose for when we gather, and powerful things and special things can happen uh, while we're here. And I don't like to I don't like to waste anybody's time. I, I know you know a lot of people have busy lives and things going on, and, and I don't believe in wasting anyone's time with a uh, with a church service. <laughs> what do I mean by that? I mean, the way I like to approach these things is, uh, you know, you're here, uh, I'm here, the Lord's here. Let's get exactly what we're supposed to get. Amen. And and, 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 and my heart is not just to make it as quick as possible, you know, to you know, just try to rush through things, nor is it on the other end just to try to hold people as long as I can. Uh, I could do that for a while. <laughs> There's a lot of Bible verses. But, but, but really my intent is to get what the Lord has on His heart into our hearts so that we go out of here thinking more like Him. We're, we've got on our mind what He's got on His mind. And, and then we're able to walk closely with Him. We're able to be used of Him. And uh, it's a special time. Amen? When we gather together, when the people of God get together, that's a special thing. Amen. That's a wonderful thing. That's God's plan. He wanted us to get together. Do you know that? Uh, one time I was studying the Word, and I was looking up the Scriptures that used the phrase, one another. And I was surprised how many, how many times I saw that phrase in the New Testament. One another, one another, one another, one another. There's something about the body of Christ being together that delights the Father. Amen. I know sometimes parents have made comments, parents who've had children that have, uh, you know, they're not in their young years, they're either teens or older, and, and have made comments that they, they take such delight when, when their kids get together and their kids have good relationship together. It brings joy to their parents. Uh, I think it also does with the father, when, when his kids have good relationships with each other, right? When his kids are getting along, when his, when his kids enjoy each other, they enjoy the one another aspect of family. And so the Lord's delighted and pleased when we gather. Amen. Let's go ahead and pray tonight. Father, in the name of Jesus, we take this time to study your word, to look to you. Uh, we so value and treasure all that you say, all that you do. Lord, not our will, but your will be done here in this time and in our lives. Lord, we ask you to uh, bring revelation, understanding of truth that makes us free. May the light click, the light turn on. Uh, in all of our hearts, and all of our minds, all of our lives, so that we can, again, walk in the fullness of your plan. Lord, we can accomplish your will, that your will may be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, thank you for revealing stuff to us now, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. And so, I, I want to share with you for, uh, I don't know, a couple a couple weeks, um, uh, on, on a different subject, a new subject. We just finished the the series on humility. And we, remember, we were identifying pride and how it's ugly and how we want to get that out of our lives. And the reason we hit some of those subjects and sometimes deal with those things that in the immediate become uncomfortable for us to listen to is because there are things in life that become a hindrance to us if we allow them to stay. And God is so gracious and so merciful and kind toward us that He will show us. He'll enlighten our way and our path so that we can see the stumbling blocks, so that we can see where there's uh, traps laid in our pathway by the enemy, so we can simply avoid them and continue on 
doing his work and carrying out his plan, letting his blessing freely flow in our lives. So how many know it's a good thing when the Lord shines a light on the path and we can see more of what we're supposed to see? And uh, and so I trust you got those things. And uh, it's been helpful to me even on the preaching end because I'm endeavoring to remove that garbage from my life as well. Any bad attitudes, any wrong thinking, and I'll continue to do so and walk more like him day by day and uh, and as we all do that how many know we not only go up individually you not only go up and you're not only promoted uh, but we go up corporately amen and, and when we go up together t- I'm telling you we can get some stuff done in the earth and, uh, and it's a glorious thing so uh, how many understand that that we are not called simply to go to church and hear the word that, that, that is not the extent that is not the fullness of a definition of the Christian life um, it's it's an essential part of our lives, but it's not the sum total of the journey. All right, I get saved. What does that mean? Okay, now I go to church. You know, now I listen to teaching from the pastor. Now I do these things. Well, again, that's a vital part. Um, it's a key in spiritual growth and development to be. Um, under the Word, to be taught the Word, to be feeding on the Word of God. Those, those are vital components to our lives. But how many know the Scripture teaches us that we're not just to be hearers of the Word, but to be doers of the Word, right? It's, it's not a wise person who just amasses knowledge of, of the Bible or of God or of the Kingdom of God, but it is a wise person who puts into practice those things that he hears, all right? Where things are revealed to us, God shines the light on it, and then the moment we see it, we start to do it. We start to act on it. We start to put these things into practice. And that's really the only way we can, we can be a well-rounded Christian. I don't want to just be lopsided. I don't want to be just really strong in one area but could be completely deficient and lacking in other areas. And again, the only way I'm going to do that is by putting into practice the things of God is by having something to act on. I've got to be a doer. I've got to be a person of action. And just, you know, how, how many know you don't get physically strong and you don't develop physically in a correct way if all you do is eat? Right? How many know our bodies were designed to move? Our, desi- our bodies were designed to be active. And, and, and a, a strong person is not one who just gets the food part right but doesn't do anything else. But, but they also have activity in their lives. And, and that's true with the Christian life as well. It's true with our spiritual walk and relationship with the Lord that not only do we need food, not only do we need the Word of God, but we've also got to find where, we're at, where we are to act on that. And if I'm not actively involved in doing something then what happens is I'm not going to develop properly my spiritual life is going to be kind of out of kilter it's going to be kind of out of whack it's just not going to be what God intended and you know one of our primary objectives here at Life Church and really should be throughout the body of Christ I believe is 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 for all believers to know who they are in Christ for all believers to understand uh, what's been provided for them, what's been given them through redemption. I mean, those are like foundational. That's, you know, I, I want to, the day a person gets born again, I want to pour that right into them. I want them to understand, man, this is who you are. This is who you used to be, but you're not that anymore. This is who you are today. And that is of tremendous value. Um, and I think it's a, it's, a, it's a right question if a person gets saved for them to ask, Okay, what's different about me now? Who am I now? What, what do I have that I didn't have before? But after a person begins to understand those principles, I think there's another valid question, and that's this. 
What am I supposed to do now? Right? What am I supposed to do? Not just who am I, what do I have? What has the Lord given me? What am I supposed to do? Is, it, is that a good question? Is it true that we are supposed to do something? Or are we simply to receive something? No, the receiving is the beginning. It's God's grace that transforms and makes us new. But He does that to an end. All right? To an end that we should be actively involved in doing something. What activity is consistent with the new creation? And what activity would be inconsistent? Okay? I don't want to become in my Christian life like the perpetual college student. You know what I'm talking about? degree after degree and just really has fallen fallen in love with education and learning but had never gotten to a place where they're putting into practice those things that they've learned and uh, and again that's something that we should avoid if you brought your Bible uh, did I tell you where to go yet then let me tell you where to go all right Galatians chapter 5 Galatians the fifth chapter, and notice with me here in the 13th verse, Galatians chapter 5 and verse 13, it says, for you brethren, who's he talking to? The brethren, all right, that includes the sisterin. All right, so he's talking to saved people, right? Those who are in Christ, those who have an inheritance, those who have been redeemed, set free. He said, for you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Is anybody here free? All right, anybody here free in him? Yeah, that's our calling. Our calling is not to bondage. Our calling is to liberty. Our calling is to freedom. He said, only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh... But look at this last phrase. But through love, serve one another. But through love, what are we to do? Serve one another. Amen. He said, don't use your liberty, don't use your freedom as an opportunity to flesh out. I'm good to go, I got it, I'm saved. And all we do is think about how we're saved. All we do is think about how... um, you know, we're not under law. We're not under those regulations. We're not under that system of, le- of legalism. We are free and we don't have to do anything. Well, how many can see just in the very fact that he said, uh, he said that we're not to use our opportunity, our liberty as an opportunity to the flesh, that kind of shows that in this new life there's nothing required. We're not living under requirements. But he said, don't take the fact that you don't have any requirements per se to continue in a walk or relationship with God don't use that as an excuse to do nothing don't use it as an excuse even to get in the flesh and allow wrong things to happen in your life he said take that freedom and turn it into serving each other you're out of bondage, you're out of sin, you're out of the doghouse, now you're in the family, you're in the house, you're in, the, you're in relationship with God, and you're a part of a family, so I want you to use this freedom and start serving somebody. Do you see that? He said, I want you to use this and in love begin to serve another person. That's why I want to, that's why I want to share with you tonight and, and, and beyond about improving your serve. 
All right. It's time for us all to take a look. It's all for us all to analyze our serve and make some improvements. Okay? Amen. <laughs> How many understand the flesh is not interested in the needs of others, but only itself? The flesh isn't interested. My flesh isn't interested in serving you. My flesh is interested in you serving me. <laughs> all of us have to deal with that. How many know your body didn't get born again? Your body's just there. It's just hanging out. It's your earth suit. It's what's keeping you on the planet. As long as you're in it, it's, it's got a voice. We can quiet it. We can let it get louder. But it's still kind of something we've got to deal with until the day that we uh, move on into our glorified body or Jesus returns. Um, but the flesh isn't interested in serving the needs of others, but only itself. Um, if one is yielding to the flesh, you can see that they will, uh, that person will not be yielding to love. Remember the new commandments? Remember how we are supposed to bear one another's burdens? Remember the law of Christ, as Galatians 6, 2 says, that we are to bear one another's burdens? Whose burdens? One another's. This is called part of being in the family. I don't know, has anyone ever uh, in your family growing up or with your family, if you have children, you've kind of shared the concept with the family that... Uh, being in a family is kind of about everybody contributing. The kids have a part, and the more they grow, you know, the more responsibilities they get to kind of help the household stay on track, keeping things clean, keeping things mowed, <laughs> keeping things running. You know, if you're in the family, everybody has a part to play in that family. And if that's not true, it's kind of not a real healthy family where one person's doing everything and everyone else watches. That's not a good idea, is it? Would that be good for your family? All right. That's not good for the family of God either. God never designed it to be that way. Uh, but if a person is in the flesh, they're not yielding to love. If they're not yielding to love, they're not serving other people. Let me, sit, let me turn that around. If a person is not serving others, they're not walking in love and they are in the flesh. Was that fun that way? <laughs> okay. Why should we serve? Other than, you know, default answer, well, the Bible says to. <laughs> uh, why should we serve? I think there's some strong motivation in this because Jesus gave his all for me. Jesus gave his life for me. Isn't that what, what started this relationship? He gave his all. He did nothing selfish, selfishly. He selflessly laid down his life and gave me everything before I even asked. Gave me everything. Listen, gave the world everything knowing that some would say no thanks. He gave it anyway. And now he is my Lord. Now he is my master. I, don't, I shouldn't need a law. I shouldn't need a commandment. I shouldn't need someone trying to for, enforce something on me to get me to act like he acted. I should be, man, whatever I can do. I mean, you've given it all, no strings attached. No requirements except my believing and confessing the Lordship of Jesus. I don't need to be coerced to do something. You've given me your all. This is, who I, this is I mean, whatever I can do. How many would have that heart? That should be the heart of every believer. If we really recognize what he has done for us, Lord, I'm ready to do anything. I'm ready to do everything. I'm going to do my part. I want to do something 
what you for, for you. And uh, I think another strong motivation is this, is because we are all going to serve something. You are going to serve your flesh, going to serve someone else, you're going to serve something else, and a, a proper and healthy life would be the person who says, I'm going to take my ability, my time, my energy, I'm going to serve him. I'm going to be one who serves. Now, now go to 1 Corinthians chapter 9 with me. Is anybody awake tonight? All right. Feel free to get loud every once in a while. I can't see with the lights. I just don't. No, I can see you. <laughs> not as well as you can see me, but I can. <laughs> I can see it. So I know if you're happy or not. I know who's in the flesh tonight. I know who's in the spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 19. <laughs> Paul wrote here, he said, For though I am free from all men. Isn't that similar to that other verse we read? Talking about our liberty in Christ. He said, Though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all. Notice that language. Someone didn't make him a servant. Did it say that God made him a servant? No. What did God do? In reality, God made him a son. God gave him position in the family, just like he's given to you and I. We are, we are positionally not servants of God. We're not just in the house and we're there to serve. No, we're in the house as family. We're in the house as privileged relatives. We've got our names on the will, Right? Uh, we have an inheritance. We are a part of the family of God, and we are treated by Him as such, as special, as heirs, as blood relatives. We're part of the family, not just servants in the house of God. But notice what Paul said, this is what I've done to myself. I have made myself a servant to all. God didn't force this on me, but Jesus left me an example of how I should act, of how I should conduct myself. He said, I should serve. And so Paul said, I have made myself a servant to all. Have you made yourself a servant to all? That's a good question for all of us, isn't it? Have I, have I done this to myself? Because if you haven't, you're not. If you haven't, you won't automatically act this way because your flesh won't volunteer and say, I'll do it. <laughs> if we had a volunteer service tonight, <laughs> volunteer to be a servant <laughs> your flesh would be like holding your arms down like my arms are heavy <laughs> your spirit on the inside would be saying get it up get it up and your flesh would say I can't <laughs> right it's like it's like the fawns saying I'm sorry you know <laughs> if, if any of you remember the old happy days <laughs> I forget how he did that but he couldn't say it <laughs> Because he couldn't admit that he was wrong <laughs> about anything. Uh, but the flesh just doesn't want to go that way. Uh, but your spirit, man, oh, absolutely. The spirit inside of you that's been born again acknowledges this, that this is right and this is, this is the way to go. Okay, again, we're checking up on ourselves. Have I done this? Have I made myself a servant to all? But look at, look at his reasoning here. Why did he do it? He said that I might win the more. That I might win the more. Paul, why are you making yourself a servant? Don't you know you're a son? 
Don't you know you're a child of God and you're in the house? He said, yeah, but I want to win people. And the way that we win the world is by taking an attitude of humility, is by taking on the attitude of a servant. I am here to do something for you. I'm not here demanding that others do things for me. I am here to do something for you. That's the attitude that we all must have. And it's, it's interesting. If he did this so that he might win more people, could we see that the opposite would be true? That if he didn't do this, he would be less effective in winning other people? And so if we as a local body of Christ have an attitude, have a heart, have actions of serving one another, that we will be effective in winning the world to Jesus? We will, let me just put it this way, just stay with the terminology here, we will win more. We will. But if we don't do that, I could think I could turn this around and say, we will win less. If we're all just here for ourselves, what I can get out of it, what, so what someone else can do for me, we will win less. We become less attractive. We become a, a false represent, representation of the heart of God. But when we take this attitude, this mindset, this heart of servanthood, then we win the more. What have you made yourself? Busy? Untouchable? Unusable? Let me give you another verse. You don't need to turn there. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 16. It says, as free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God. Again, we, talk, we hear freedom. That means I'm free. I can do what I want. Isn't that what freedom is? We go where we want, when we want. We buy what we want. We, we, we use our time for whatever we want. And that's what we are, right? We're free. But I see again and again in the Scripture, take your freedom and serve somebody with it. You've got the ability. You can do whatever you want. You're not, God's not going to cut you out of the inheritance because you don't. He's not going to keep you out of His heavenly kingdom if you don't serve somebody. Right? But He says, don't take advantage of that. Don't use an opportunity for that to be carnal and fleshy. Use the opportunity to serve somebody else. Amen. Come on, look at somebody else tonight and say, is there anything I can do for you? Amen. Now, don't answer right now. We're, we're in church. We're busy. <laughs> Amen. Isn't that a, wouldn't that be a good, a good thing to constantly be hearing around here? What's everybody talking about? Well, everyone's trying to do something for somebody else. I remember hearing the story of a man who had, a, had a, an incredible experience, a vision, and went to heaven. And one of the things he, he said kept happening with people that he, he had experiences with people that we know of in the Bible, and they would ask and say, is there anything I can do for you? Is there, is there anything you need? And it was like that was the atmosphere of heaven, is people were just all in their conversations wanting to do something for somebody else in heaven. You know, it's not like needs are abundant. <laughs> You know what I'm talking about? But everyone would, everyone was just mindful of everyone else. It's amazing. I, that, that reminds me of a story I heard years ago. This was, this is extra stuff, so I'm going to have to speed up to get this story in. <laughs> Y'all got time though, right? We'll be done by halftime, I think. <laughs> uh, um, but the story was, 
it, and I might get it wrong, but I'll get the gist of it right. It was this person who had this this vision, this or it was a dream or something of that nature, and in their vision, what they were what they were looking at was hell, but it wasn't like what you would think, and it wasn't a literal interpretation of hell, uh, as the Bible you know defines it. But it, he saw a great banquet table, and and he also he also saw at the same time he saw heaven. And both both of them were basically looking the same, this great banquet table. And he said, in hell, see, they all had this great feast, all this food on both both sides, heaven and hell. He said, but in hell, everyone was everyone was starving, and in heaven, in everyone was fully nourished and 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 having a great time. In hell, they were just emaciated and suffering and starving. And and what the deal was, he said, all the utensils, the forks and the spoons and stuff, were really really long. You know, like you think about uh, eating with a rake or something. <laughs> you know, you can't, you, you, how, how you can't do that. And he said, in hell, well, he said, in heaven, what they would do, um, because everything was so long, he said they would just, you know, use that, and they'd feed somebody. They'd use those long intentions, and everyone would get fed because someone else fed them. He said, but in, in, he said, in hell, he said it never crossed their mind to do that. They never thought of it. And all they saw was, I can't feed myself. I can't do anything for myself. And so they suffered. And I thought, what a graphic picture of the, of the body of Christ, of, of, of one that's like him, and a graphic picture of one that's not like him, selfish, all, always thinking about, always mindful of only their own self. What are we like? Who are we thinking about? Sometimes people think of church only in terms of what they get out of it. They think of church services, and the only thing that crosses their mind is what I got out of the service. Can you see that that's a part of it? But if that's the fullness of it, we're totally missing it. It is not all about what I get out of it. How many know what it's also about? What I give. It is about what I can give out of it. Is about what can I contribute to it? It is about how what have I done for somebody else? How have I contributed and made it better? How have I put something into this? Because listen, that's the nature of Jesus. That's the nature of Christ. That's that that servant's attitude that we should all have. How does one serve God? I would simply say it's by doing God's work. If someone says I I've been serving the Lord for 20 years, so that means you've been working for the Lord for 20 years doesn't mean you've just been in the family. That's different than serving God. That's called being saved. That's called being forgiven, being having God's life in you. It's a whole other thing to be serving God. That means I'm doing something for Him. That means I'm involved in His work. And how many know the focus, the main aspect of God, what God's work is? You know it's all about people. It's all about the redemption of mankind. It's all about seeing people come into His family. And so ultimately, I, can, I think I could say that if I'm serving God, I'm serving people. And I, if I'm serving people, if I'm serving one another, then I could say that I'm serving God. Everybody see that? I mean, I think there's a direct connection. I don't think I can say, really say that I'm involved in God's business and God's work if, there's, if it's not related to people somehow. doesn't mean, you know, you understand how that, that's very multifaceted and how that plays out, but ultimately has to have that goal in mind. It's, if I'm not in a direct or indirect way influencing the lives of another person for God and serving them in some capacity, I'm not really doing God's work. Everybody say, oh me. 
<laughs> and so we serve God by serving people. On the contrary, again, we see in the Word of God, and I don't need you to turn here, but in Jude, in the book of Jude, he's warning them about some people who've got all kinds of issues and uh, you know, some dangerous people to the body of Christ who had crept in there. And one of the things he said about them in verse 12 is he said, they serve only themselves. They serve only themselves. That's interesting. The bad guys, what do they do? They serve themselves. That tells me, again, I should be the opposite of that, and I should serve others. And it's kind of like many areas in our lives, uh, things slip. If I stop doing something... That's important. It doesn't take very long for me to get completely away from it. I know people who've done that with church. They stop going, and after a little while, they never go. They do that with with going to the gym. Anybody used to go to the gym? Used to, I mean. I'm not talking you do used to. (laughs) Yeah. Well, what what happens? And I'm not saying you have to go, but I'm saying that it works in the same way. It's happened with me before. I'm going, going, and then I say, "Ah, I'm tired today. And then I'm tired next week. And then, you know, then you start going sporadically. And before you know it, you don't go at all. Not because you decided, I'd be better off if I didn't go. No, just because we let things slip. And once we let things slip, and it happens with serving. We get in the habit of just kind of taking care of ourselves. We're in life. We've got to have certain things to exist, to survive. And so we start thinking about ourselves, what I need, what I need, what I need. And before you know it, we're spending all of our time taking care of ourselves. We're spending all of our energy, all of our resources, and it's all about making sure that we are okay until tomorrow, that we're carried, we have sufficient supply for the rest of the week and the rest of the month. And just like that, you can go through life, and all of a sudden you're not serving anybody anymore. You're not thinking about somebody else. You're thinking about you. And we've slipped back into the flesh. We're not walking in love. We're forgetting the law of Christ. We're not carrying the burden of anybody else. And we've got to stay away from that trap and from slipping into that. Let's go over to Philippians chapter 2. Uh, Philippians, yeah. Philippians chapter 2. See, this passage of Scripture is very interesting. It talks, Paul talks about a guy here na- named uh, Epaphroditus. Aren't you glad your name is not Epaphroditus? You thought you were teased when you were young. <laughs> Epaphroditus, but here, here's the deal. Um, he got to a point where the Bible says that he was sick and almost died. Okay? He got sick and almost died. And then Paul went on to say, but God had mercy on him. And so so he got healed. Thank God he was healed. But the guy almost died. I mean, he was close to death. And the, the Scriptures are not mincing words here. He didn't just have a bad day, have a headache, feel a little bit under the weather. He almost died. But what's interesting, look, at me, look with me at verse 30. Chapter 2, verse 30. It says... Because of the work of Christ, he came close to death, not regarding his life. So, so what, why did he do this? Why did he almost die? Basically, because he worked himself so hard doing good stuff. He gave so much energy and time and resources. He poured all of himself into it. I mean, he's to be commended in the sense of being committed, having a heart for God, having a desire to, to, to do the will of God. I mean, this was some kind of example in that regard. But he went so far that he wore himself down. How many know we all need to realize that we have a physical body, no matter how much faith you have, no matter uh, uh, how much you love God and all these things, your physical body can only handle so much, 
we all are limited in that, in that regard, and it would do us well to know our limitations in a physical way. Okay, and so, but what happened with him? He did this, he almost died, but it was for a good reason, kind of. I mean, his heart was to do the work of God, but look at the last part of that. He said, to supply what was lacking in your service toward me. In other words, Epaphroditus was making up the gap for what somebody else didn't do. And say the reason why they didn't do it, maybe they weren't, didn't have opportunity, uh, it didn't go into that. But he basically, Paul was saying, he almost died. He worked so hard. He did so much to fill in the gap, to make up what you didn't do. That's concerning to me. To think that somebody else has to go overboard, has to do double time because I'm not doing anything. To think that somebody else, because their heart is so committed to the Lord, and they will do whatever's necessary to accomplish His will, that but that I could be the cause of someone else dying prematurely. And again, Epaphroditus should have backed off, but you see why he was doing it. He was saying, somebody's got to do this. There's a bunch of stuff that's getting that's going undone here. There's a bunch of the work of God. Uh, Paul's not being taken care of. Paul needs this. He needs this. Who's going to do that? I guess I'm doing it. And he'd stay up late and he wouldn't get any sleep and he'd be up in the night. He'd get a couple hours of sleep and I'm, you know, I'm adding to this, but you can see how someone's physical body breaks down and they get a couple hours and he's back at it again and he's working all day and he's doing everything necessary. He's not taking care of himself. He's not eating right. He's not getting proper rest and exercise. He's not feeding on the Word enough and having personal worship with the Lord and he is breaking down. It's not right to do that. But why is he doing it? Because somebody else didn't do it. And again, I never want to be caught in that position where I think somebody else has to do overtime. Somebody else has to work themselves to the bone because I'm not doing my part. I mean, no, we are called as a body to serve. Who's picking up the slack for you? Now, this is now that I, everybody got your big boy pants on again from last week? All right. <laughs> again who's picking up the slack for you and potentially wearing themselves out in the process here's the thing when certain parts of the body of Christ are not engaged they are not serving either things are going undone important issues important things that should happen are just not happening or somebody else is making them happen and they're pulling a double or they're pulling a triple or they're stepping up way more than they ought to. And that can only happen for so long. Right? And that person goes out early. If a person continues, they get taken out of the game. I remember hearing uh, from a, a respected pastor. Uh, has a very effect, effectual and uh, um, fruitful ministry. Saying years ago, it's, I've always remembered it. He said, people come up to me sometimes and say they would always say, oh, can I just talk to you for a second? I said, I know you're so busy and you don't have any time. And he would say, oh, I'm not too busy. <laughs> and it was just the opposite of what people would, would think. He said, oh, no, I'm not too busy. He said, I got time. And people would be shocked because he had this large responsibility. And he went on to explain. He said, you know, I play golf. 
He said, I, I take time to do this. I don't wear myself out every every week and just work, you know, seven days a week. People might think that because I have such responsibility. He said, but I decided, and I'm putting this in my own words, I decided a long time ago that I'm going to do this for a long time. I decided, and so what he's doing is pacing himself. You know, he's doing the work, he's committed to the work, but he also takes breaks. And he does some of these things. And, uh, uh, but what has to happen for that to be able to happen? Others have to serve. Otherwise, the work of God goes undone. Otherwise, people, uh, the other parts of the body go unserved. It's a sad commentary that many churches operate on the efforts of about 20% of the people. Many times, the giving is by about 20% of the people. Certain, just a small number of people do all the fi- finance, everything. They do all the serving. They make all the ministries go. They keep the th- they keep pl- they keep the place running. It's just a small percentage, and it's not designed to be that way. God never uh, wanted us to operate in that in that way. People in our day have forgotten what it really means to serve God. They'll say they're serving God, but they're not doing anything. They sit on their rear end and do nothing. They hear the word. They eat. They're good at eating. <laughs> But as far as doing something, they don't do anything. And that's not the way the body of Christ is supposed to work. They live for themselves. They won't be inconvenienced for the work of God. Well, I got responsibilities. We're talking about the Lord here, aren't we? Well, I've got things to do. So does everybody else. But we're talking about eternal things. We're talking about what matters more than anything else. Amen. People are full of excuses as to why they can't. Meanwhile, the clock clock keeps ticking. Tick-tock. Tickety-tock. Your life is going away. Time is passing by. People are dropping off into eternity. Ready or not, here it comes. And the years pass and they never find time to serve. Never find time to do anything for God. We know one of the metaphors in the Scripture that describe us is simply a body. First Corinthians 12 is one of those examples how believers are called the body of Christ. And it explains how we're different, how we're gifted different, how we have different functions and, and a lot of good things in there. But, but I think about it for a moment. Would your life be inconvenienced at all? And maybe someone, some might be in this situation. But would your life be inconvenienced at all if your hand was missing? If your foot was missing? You know, or some other part of your body. Would it slow you down? I mean, definitely it would slow us down, right? I mean, definitely it would be a, be a hindrance to us. Could we still get along? Well, we, could be, we can be missing a lot of parts physically, and we can still make it. You know, we, we still get along, and we, we depend on certain things more than we would need to, and we're slower, we're not as efficient, uh, but we can still get there. But I hate to think that that's the way the body of Christ has to operate. You know what? But the truth of the matter is, is it does. The body of Christ often functions without a foot, without a hand, with one eye. You know? And then you can carry that out as far as you want. But what does that mean? It just means that there are good-sized portions of the body of Christ who don't serve. They're not serving. They're not doing anything. They're not involved like they're supposed to be. And it's not right. 
Let me show you one more verse. You got time for one more? 1 Timothy chapter 5. See, we don't want to be limited. We want to be fully functioned, well-oiled machine. We want to be running on all cylinders. We want to be able to get something done. And I tell you what, we're supposed to work together. What do I mean work together? I mean serve one another. I mean lay our lives down for each other. Like the Lord did for us. 1 Timothy chapter 5. Well, in this passage, again, I don't want to go through the whole thing, but he's given them instruction about what to do with their widows. And he talked to them about certain ages. If they're under a certain age, uh, they're not the church's responsibility. And, he, and in the middle of this discussion, he was talking about younger widows. Uh, talking about, uh, well, let's just read verse 13. Talking about these younger widows. He said, because he encouraged them to, to marry. He said, if they're younger widows, tell them to get married. Because one of the things that happens, he says, is in verse 13, beside they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but also gossips and busybodies, saying things which they ought not. That's interesting to me. I think that the principle goes even beyond widows. But his principle is here, uh, is when people don't have anything to do, when people are not actively involved in life and doing things, they become idle, and you've heard the, the statement before, this is not a scripture, but an idle mind is the devil's workshop. That's true with an idle life. When people aren't engaged in doing things, the enemy comes and messes with their mind. If you have, if you have a lot of time on your hand, if you find yourself ever sitting around um, with nothing to do, I mean, on, a, on an ongoing basis, I'd encourage you to make drastic changes in your life right away. Don't sit around with nothing to do. Because you're a target. Because your mind starts wandering. And the enemy starts dropping thoughts. And usually, it's not all these thoughts uh, of, godly, of godliness and, and love. It, it starts, you, people start becoming critical. They start being critical of others. They don't have anything to do, so they start talking about things that they see that are wrong. They become busybodies. They start prying into other people's business. They start saying things that they shouldn't say. And typically you'll find when a person is in a church family, it's usually those who are not so engaged, not so involved in giving of their finances and giving of their time and serving that find the problems with the place. Hmm. I mean, no, every church has, there's no church that's perfect that does everything right. And, uh, but who are the ones that are noticing that everything's, or everything that they think anyway, is not right? It's not those who have invested their lives into the people that sit around them each week. It's not those who are looking for an opportunity to make someone else's life better. Not looking for an opportunity to enhance the move of God, the Spirit of God. Just, you know, where they're praying, they're seeking God, they're contributing their life to make things, to make the kingdom of God grow and advance. No, it's not that person. It's the person who's not serving. They're self-centered. They're self, they're have a selfish motive. What can I get? I don't like the way they do this. I don't like the way the ushers act this way. I don't like that music there. I don't like that song. I, it, it, what is it about? It's all about me. I don't like. Well, who likes everything? How about we forget about what we don't like most of the time? <laughs> most of the time, if I don't like something, so what? 
Maybe somebody else does like it. Maybe they're being ministered to. Maybe, maybe it's helping them. And in that, I should rejoice and be glad. Amen. And so we've got to avoid these traps of the enemy. And uh, I believe the Lord wants us to stir our heart to get back into this mindset. Not to say that everyone is not there, but we, we can stir ourselves up. And some need to, you know, they're just completely idle. You need to stir yourself up to begin to have a focus of serving others again. What are we doing to contribute to the kingdom of God as far as serving, making a difference in someone else's life? Amen. Let me encourage you. We have a, we have a system here at church called Authentic Life that many of you are aware of. Many of you have gone through or have begun to go through. One of the intentions, one of the goals of that system is not only, it starts with the in Christ stuff like we started our message about tonight. It starts with that, but it's, it's designed to get people into a place of serving in relationship with their abilities and their gifts and talents. And, uh, and so we have a system in play. We are committed to help people get, get into the place of being active in the body of Christ. Some people think they're active because they go to church. That, that's dinner. That, you know, great, you eat. <laughs> and that's important. You know, we're supposed to be together. But our goal, our desire, we're committed to help people find a place of serving where you're a contribution to the body of Christ, not just an, off, not just an offering. Your contribution with who you are and what you can do, and uh, I like to I like to encourage uh, guys. If you're a, if you're a guy in this church, because it's part of our men's ministry, if you're a guy in this church and you're not involved anywhere, and maybe you don't know what to do, start ushering. Talk to our ushers, our head ushers, or talk to Pastor Mickey over here, and uh, get involved in ushering right away. We could use a lot more. Yeah, and you can start serving. That's kind of a general area of serving the church and serving people in the church during services. And if you know, and if after a while you you find direction to do something else, then great. But don't sit around idle. And that's just a that's just a heads up for the for the guys in this church. Giddy up. We have got a place for you to serve. Amen. And we're not going to grow properly. None of us are going to individually grow properly, well-rounded, well-nourished, and, and developed spiritually like, spiritually like we're supposed to until we're engaged and serving in the body of Christ, serving one another. Amen? And so the Lord wants to help us to be strong in that area. Amen. Let's pray today. Father, thank you so much for your faithfulness and kindness toward us. Oh, Lord, we're just so privileged to have your revelation. Lord, that you would speak to us, that you would take time to, to minister to us. We should know these things. Lord, we should, we should be doing a lot of this. But, Lord, you're merciful to us. And you help us to see and help us to get strong in areas where we've diminished. And for that, we're thankful. We're glad. We believe that you're at work in all of our hearts and lives today to take us up and to increase us more and more. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you, Lord. Just thank Him personally. We're just right there under, just quietly. Uh, just thank Him for talking to you. I believe this is what the Lord wants us to hear. Oh, thank you, Lord, for talking to us. Thank you, Lord, for reinforcing some things we know. For stirring things up that we forgot. Lord, for strengthening our position in you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your word. We treasure and value what you say and what you do. 
What a good God you are. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. It's so important for us to respond to Him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Respond to the Lord. Respond to Him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We receive. We receive of you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Well, God is good. God is good.